Welcome to Series 2 of the Elves of the Visitor Economy podcast. Thank you for being here. If you work in tourism, hospitality, culture, events and everything in between, then you're so in the right place. My name is Kelly Ballard and I'm a specialist in marketing in the visitor economy, where I spent most of my working life. It's been amazing and I've met so many wonderful people. Every fortnight on the podcast, I chat with inspiring people with a story to tell. Some I know and others I've admired. Like me, and possibly you, they are working tirelessly behind the scenes in an industry that brings people together, creates happy days and hopefully long-lasting memories. I truly hope our conversations provide you with some thought-provoking insights, inspiration and tips to help you in what you do, or simply to plan your next trip or meal out. So here's today's episode. In today's podcast, I chat with Sophie Nash, Programme Manager of an attraction that is close to my heart, Westenburg, the National Arboretum. Over the past 10 years, it's gone through considerable development with a welcome building, treetop walkway and so many different other elements, taking its visitors from 300,000 to around 600,000 per year. It's located in the beautiful Cotswolds in the county of Gloucestershire, and it's one of the most visited pay-to-enter attractions in the southwest, and it's ranked amongst some of the greatest gardens in the world. For those who haven't been, it is stunning. It's set over 630 acres, which is around 450 football pitches. It's got a fantastic events programme throughout the year, and it plays an important part in educating people about trees and the importance to our lives. It's close to my heart because I worked there for six years as marketing manager from 2003. It's where I cut my teeth in visitor attraction management and marketing. It's where I met my husband, who's still there as curator. And it's where our children have grown up, eating their lunch in the tree team mess room like it's the normal thing to do. They've been so lucky and so privileged. It's a place where I got up at 4.30am to open up and host the BBC Breakfast Weather Team and I got to see what those internationally famous musicians are like behind the scenes after they've performed in front of 7,000 people. There are so many stories. It was a great experience. It was really interesting to chat with Sophie about where Westerbert is today and discuss some of the developments that have created a step change in getting closer to its mission, as well as creating the often elusive year-round footfall. Sophie's got a unique view as project manager for almost all of the capital investment that's taken place. She's ensured programmes are delivered on time to fund targets. She's been involved in community engagement, inclusion, sustainability... And whilst it all sounds like gobbledygook to those who don't understand these things or have not been involved in delivering grant or government funded projects, it's a minefield and requires a certain type of person. Sophie shares some of her thoughts on what she feels are really important to the success of such a development project. And she talks about what's next for Westenburg, particularly around the land they've recently purchased, which could change or develop the experience further. If you love Westenburg or you work at a visitor attraction, I'm sure you'll find this episode interesting. Enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me, Sophie. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So Westenburg is one of the largest visitor attractions in the Southwest. Um, I was marketing manager there six years ago. It's got a really special place in my heart. No, not six years ago. I was I was marketing manager there for six years. And I, I started in 2003. I was there till 2009. And when I left there, which is now 13 years ago, there were 300,000 visitors a year. 
we were marketing. Autumn was our biggest period. I think the majority of visitors came through within a within a six week um, time frame. We had concerts that we developed. We we're selling thirty thousand tickets at the time. We had various different events. But since then, a huge amount of development has taken place, and West, the visitor numbers have gone from three hundred thousand to six hundred thousand per year, which is amazing. Back in the day when I was working there, the vision was for the site was to make it a year-round destination with a with a treetop walkway, but that didn't happen in my time. And I know that you've been instrumental in that development. So 300,000 visitors you've added, I know that it's not just your your role, but as programme manager, you've had a huge amount of involvement in in the physical, the capital investment in the site, haven't you? So tell me, tell me about your job today, Sophie, and then we'll we'll talk about what you've been doing and how you grew, you know, what you've been doing over those uh, the the years in all this development. Thank you for the introduction. It's quite um, sometimes nice to reflect on on the change that's taken place over those over those years. Um, I joined in 2010, just after after you left. Um, so I've kind of uh, developed in my role from a more junior level up to now program manager now at Western Burt. So my day to day job involves change in effect. That's uh, by and large what I do. Um, so it's looking at the development of the site, making improvements, um, delivering our vision and our aims. So some of the projects we've worked, well, I've worked on have included things like the Welcome Building, which opened in 2014, going from, in effect, a little shed with a person stood there and a portaloo behind them as their entry and arrival experience to a proper entry facility with what you would expect when you normally arrive at a, a major visitor attraction through to habitat restoration of our grassland, uh, the 300 metre long wooden treetop walkway that weaves its way through the trees into Silkwood and provides a accessible route, but also a new perspective on trees. Um, as you said, um, we still do have that peak in autumn, uh, but the walkway has also encouraged visitors to come at different times of the year and, and see the collection uh, through the different seasons and get that different perspective. Uh, but I've also worked on a number of other um, projects and um, new facilities in effect at Western Burke, including a, uh, a new storage facility for our tree team who go out and look after our, our tree collection and landscape. Uh, they now have a bespoke purpose-built um, big shed in effect <laughs> with some amazing timbers um, where they house all their kit, but they also come in for their tea breaks. Uh, and very recently, we've completed a number of other projects during the COVID years, <laughs> um, so to speak, uh, including new quarantine house to improve our biosecurity at Western Burt, which is vital in terms of ensuring our the, the plants we bring into the collection uh, and those that we grow ourselves are protected from pests and disease. Uh, that's a new bespoke facility that we've created uh, this year, uh, plus a community shelter, which, um, if you haven't seen it, looks a little bit like an armadillo. Um, it's a really unusual curved shape um, designed by our community groups, built by them uh, under supervision of a contractor, um, made completely out of timber from Western Burt through thinning of our coppice um, through using our oaks and steam bending them and really getting an, uh, particularly an audience that's not often um, involved in perhaps 
uh, a wider public perception of visiting Western Burt, but those that maybe are um, groups of autistic children, um, adults going through um, uh, drug and alcohol recovery, or those that have got mental health conditions and getting them um, involved in a project and building a space for themselves to to use uh, at Western Burt. So quite a variety of different projects really over that time. <laughs> yeah, and and what I've always loved about Western Burt is the attention to detail and consideration that goes into creating these buildings and kind of initiatives because it needs it's got the it's the sustainable ethos at its heart community has been really important hasn't it like you just said about getting people involved in that process mm. and i can imagine well i know that it takes a lot to to bring all of this together doesn't it and and that is your role i guess is to make sure that you tick all of these boxes and you do it genuinely not just to tick the boxes <laughs> Yeah, it's always a balance, particularly in projects in terms of, you know, particular site like Western Burt that we have about 60 odd staff, uh, including the charity. We've got 280 volunteers. We've got all of those visitors that you said. We've got members uh, who are supporters of the Arboretum and they've grown in number. Plus, you've got all different um, stakeholders, you know, got donors, you've got all sorts of other people feeding in their views. So it is a bit of a a balance and a compromise at times in terms of um, what we might do, but also making all those people feel involved and be genuinely involved where we can, uh, as you say, um, and but still also progressing because that's also really important um, and seeing change happen. Yeah, I when I was there, there was primarily a an older retired audience and not wanting to kind of generalize but there was a, a real resistance to change um there was a desire to increase family visits and the two didn't mix very well because a lot of the older visitors had dogs then you had the kind of wanting to introduce children's play but they those audiences were always at odds with each other in terms of what they needed and it took it takes a long time to kind of shift these things around doesn't it but I think Mm -hmm. when you go on site at Westerbert your car park can be full but you can go out and not see a soul I love that so everyone can exist I guess in a in their own way in Westerbert which I love yeah, and we've definitely seen since. So when I started, like you say, it was very much retired couples. Um, and through the the lottery funded program of broadening our audience in terms of community work, going and doing outreach with care homes and bringing young people in that are normally excluded from society for various reasons. Um, but also just having different experiences, like you say, through things like the treetop walkway that is for everyone, really, um, but has also increased the family offer uh, an interest as well as things like natural play. So um, that's also about raising awareness. We are the National Arboretum. Um, It's a place for everyone. So it's just ensuring we can continue on that ethos and um, ensure everyone can enjoy the trees. Mm. Well, you, I mean, you've talked, there's a lot of um, developments that you've talked about there, and that obviously costs money. Um, You're managed by the Forestry, or Forestry England, as it's now called, I was going to say Forestry Commission, um, which is a DEFRA organisation. But you mentioned also, you've got the members, the Friends membership and the charity, which allows you to obtain grants and, and external funding. 
And I guess, well, I know that that's been, in, you know, it's been really important in the development of Westenburg, hasn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's you know, working together, really, in terms of um, particularly for the development of the project originally from the Welcome Building. And during that 2010 period, obviously, with there was this big spending review at the time, obviously, this Chancellor announcement um, imminently uh, in terms of spending um for different departments so that had an impact in terms of what we wanted to invest in and how we could do that but uh, Forestry England invested in that and with the help of the friends helped kind of to build in terms of the membership and create in effect supporters and donors that could support the project with a clear vision of what we wanted to achieve um, but also helped kind of get extra funds in and fundraise um, through corporate funders, but through also trust and grants um, and also using their own funds through membership, but also some funds from Forestry England to help match fund that. So it's been it's key to working together, really, because from a Forestry England point of view, we've we've managed to secure lottery funds in the past that really enabled the welcome building um, and the restoration work and the community programs and other interpretation. But that, you know, that was key in terms of them working with those other funders and with FOA closely, who are friends of Western Burt charity um to, to enable that vision to come to reality so and that's the way we'll go forward um in terms of working together to to our strengths really mm, I think you no doubt in an enviable position to lots of different attractions and I think that you know but I guess that brings knowing what I do of Western but there's such a passion for the place isn't there the members are so passionate it means so much to people they've got so many personal links to it there's lots of adopted trees there's it's a place where people have been with loved ones that they've potentially lost it people have a lot of passion for it don't they so I can imagine any change well I know it's just it's uh, it's amazing, isn't it? And it brings that huge support, but it can mm. also bring its challenges. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll leave that there, shall we? <laughs> um, coming back to your role um, as program manager, I guess um, to other people and other attractions who are thinking about development, you have a role that sits outside of the day to day practical running of the site which has obviously been really useful because there's a huge amount of work that goes into this progress and project management of new developments can you tell me how does that work with the team there and and how do you integrate in, integrate with them um well i would say it's that's key um the business as usual team are busy and we're quite slight compared to other attractions or similar botanic gardens and institutions um so um i'd say it's key in terms of building relationships and understanding with those people in terms of understanding their day jobs but also for trying to get across in terms of the importance of what change in the projects will mean for them so uh, a key successful one was the creation of the tree management centre where the tree team have their base. And from the outset, um, your husband actually um, was key to that and um, some of his key team members in terms of what is it that they want. Uh, and working with them to kind of challenge that in terms of, well, if we did it this way, that that might be a better fit or that might be more fundraisable or more buildable, or more um, kind of on on kind of the style or ethos of the place um, in terms of using timber, for example, versus steel. Um, 
And I think kind of working together in terms of, oh, ultimately, this project's not necessarily going to benefit me. I like to see change happen and and kind of see things through and, and see see a benefit. Um, but ultimately, it'll be more efficient and a more effective way for them to work in the future. So it's trying to understand the end user and kind of keep thinking about that and reminding them of, well, what is it that you're looking for from this change and trying to realise that in effect. So that does need staff time and buy-in. So it's also important top down in terms of having a really clear vision for what we want Um and I'm the, the the delivery mechanism in effect and the one that pushes it through. Um, but it's a collective vision in terms of what is it that we're trying to achieve um, and what do we want to see at the end of the day in terms of the completed project? What will it enable to, to happen and, and where's the improvement going to be? Mm. Well, you've had, I mean, we'll come to your experience and how you arrived at Western Bert in just a sec, but how is there anything that you wish you'd known or wish you'd done differently and any tips you've got for, you know, people that might be embarking or on this journey? I'd say um, you have to be a, a dollop of um, tenacity and perseverance in terms of projects. Um, and they always have their challenges. Some some people really don't like change. <laughs> I love change. I like to be busy. I, I think things can always improve for the better. Um, so I think having a clear where is it that you're going um, and kind of remind yourself of that is is important. I think for us in particular, uh, and this is obviously challenging, particularly way back in 2010. And as being a government department, you know, there are some um, constraints in some respects. There are opportunities, but for things like staffing in particular, um, at the time when I first started, um, project management and program delivery wasn't something there wasn't really a framework within the wider organization so um, I sought training and tools from elsewhere and you know just being really organized is really important for a project manager Um, so I think kind of just having a good plan I think we from a staffing point of view, um, at times it was me and a, an admin support delivering, particularly on the welcome building as, you know, fully day to day on the project. There are obviously a lot of business as usual staff members supporting that too, but um, making sure you've got adequate staff resource, it takes a lot of time to manage these things, um, particularly when we've had third party funding and you've got so many stakeholders to keep updated and informed and communicate with, it does take quite a bit of time, um, let alone dealing with contractors and architects and, and oh, quite someone's hit a water pipe. I've got to dash out and work out where that is and turn the stopcock off and, mm, yeah, <laughs> and deal yeah. with that. So um, I think don't underestimate the amount of staff time and uh, that you need, but also, the impact on change because as I said you know, I quite like change um I don't really like set routine in that kind of kind of way I think things can always improve and be better but some people really don't like change and would would just want to do the same thing every day so thinking also from a staff point of view and your wider visitors and people in terms of that impact of change um that is a you know the change journey is something that does affect people differently so um I think that's key to also think about that and try and also encourage different people to engage as much as possible 
Um, and also don't sweat over it, I suppose. You're not going to please everybody with these projects. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to keep going. Um, yeah, I can imagine. And I guess you've been there long enough to experience or, or to kind of other naysayers that you now kind of talk to and they think, you know, back in the day, you, they said this will never happen. And it has. Have you got that kind of experience? Yeah, got a lot of that. <laughs> got a lot of funny, odd comments that you, I've had. You think, oh, well, that's, that's a weeny bit harsh. <laughs> but look what we've done. <laughs> oh, that's true, isn't it? Tenacity and thick skin. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Just keep going. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, so if I think back to the day in terms of what we were trying to do is to get that visitor spread across the year, what is it looking like now? Um, we still do have a big peak in autumn. Um, We've introduced uh, post-COVID pre-booking, particularly during that autumn peak, um, to just help. um, You know, I'm, and you've commented. You know, I've been on site when those days when we were really busy, we had really long traffic queues, and um, people got frustrated in terms of how far they may have travelled. So we're not there now in terms of using that pre-booking as a tool has been really beneficial um, to make sure that we've got really good visitor experience at the end of the day in terms of um, capacity and staffing, et cetera. But um, we have seen an increase across those other seasons. we would say as staff members that are hidden secret and one we'd love more people to experience is spring. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't get a better time of year really in terms of the smells and all the colours from all the, you know, some people say slightly garish colours of rhododendrons, but that pop of colour, um, particularly it was quite special during the COVID period when actually everything was shut to be one of the few on site and seeing that spring and the kind of the silence was was really was quite a really nice time um and to just really appreciate that in terms of all of the flowers over that period of time so spring would be our best kept secret one and one that we'd love more people to enjoy um and i think even in winter uh Burke can be really lovely in terms of like a crispy frosty day um um, yeah, so we'd we'd encourage more people to come at those other times of the year, but autumn is still what we are famous for. Um, and we've still had, you know, quite a good number of visitors through our doors um, this autumn just gone. So, um, yeah, I think also through our event programme, as you said, you know, we have concerts. Uh, we're just setting up for our Christmas lights, which hopefully people will come to and enjoy the the trees at Christmas. But well, that's also- become so important that that's an annual event now that's really yeah. strong, isn't it? I'd say that's one of the leading Christmas events in the West. Um, as I understand it, I've been on there a couple of years to look at tickets and and is fully booked very often. Is that still the case? Yeah, I mean, there are some tickets remaining, but sales are, are, are quite good um, mm. for this year. Um, and we have been we have been doing it for well, I think someone said about twenty odd years. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's actually just uh, just very nice in terms of getting out in the trees for Christmas um, without with, with it being Christmassy but not overly perhaps Americanized, um, more of a traditional Christmas. Um, but we're also looking at the other events throughout the year because that's a winter event. 
terms of things you know weather can affect it but you know also looking at other opportunities so this year we had our first um children's book festival connected to nature um over the summer um and that went down really well with um our family audience so it's also looking at other opportunities for things like that and also for us to develop and keep developing our um visitor experience throughout the year so that's something different obviously western but as the benefit in terms of well it is an outdoor attraction but it changes every day it looks different every day and because the weather changes and it's seasonal so there is something different to see every day, um, but also just trying to encourage perhaps those that are less comfortable in the natural environment connecting with nature to have ways in. So um, that's looking at things, you know, using our play, but also um, guided walks and other experiences that people can have uh, when they're on site to get the most out of their visit. Mm. Thinking about events, I was just, oh gosh, uh, I don't know whether you know about that. There used to be an event called Dog Days and it ran for about, I want to say three or four years. And it was, I think, wasn't it to do with, I think it wasn't pedigrees. It was, it was a kennel club linked event and it was for, I don't know, mongrels, let's say. I don't know what the terminology is. I haven't got a dog, but it's really funny because it was judged by Jilly Cooper the author and this is how kind of informal it was so Jilly Cooper who is a dog lover she she uh she came in and judged it and I think at the time if I remember rightly Mark my husband was involved he was kind of duty manager on the day and he managed to get himself he was involved in emceeing the event he's not he he doesn't even (laughs) like dogs particularly it was hilarious and he had to go with Jilly up and down these like massive queues because it was such a popular event and talk talk to the owners about their dogs and (laughs) can you imagine it was hilarious but uh no no you don't want to go back to the days of dog days (laughs) we well we have a lot of visitors that come with dogs so I'd imagine it could be quite popular, but um, not everyone likes a dog. It was chaos. <laughs> it was brilliant, but it was chaos. <laughs> oh well. Um, so before I find out about you and and, and how you got to Westonbert, just tell me what are the the things that are coming up, the big aspirations for Westonbert. I understand that you've bought some land. So tell me about what's coming up. So yes, uh, just before COVID. <laughs> um, we acquired um, some new land just in from a neighbouring uh, property, uh, so both a house and some fields um, surrounding that house, just right on the edge of Silkwood, um, which is where the treetop walkway is. It's quite close to the end of the walkway. Um, so we bought that on the aspiration that actually it potentially gives us some more freedom in terms of our built footprint and what we can do as a site. Um, we are a grade one registered park and garden, so we are internationally important um, and we have historic significance as a picturesque landscape. So with that comes some constraints in terms of what we can do. Um, and as you said at the start, that our visitor numbers have grown significantly um, and we always want we'd like to aspire to do more on our current vision for the next 10 years is to to be a world leader in trees um, and trying to look at really our visitor capacity where we know we've got creeks and we've got opportunities in terms of things like our catering provision um, is a bit small in terms of our built footprint and what we can offer, particularly on days where it might suddenly shower. Um 
thinking about how the site can be inclusive more so um what kind of visitor experiences that we could we could look at we know for example that given our numbers that we're a little bit low on toilet numbers <laughs> um in some areas of our site in particular um and kind of looking really by having that additional piece of land just gives us a bit more flexibility really so we're kind of currently going through starting to go through that thinking in terms of well how would it be integrated how can we best use it and obviously particularly if you think of a from a facilities point of view you don't really want to create something without having a clear vision of what it is it's going to uh, enable so it's kind of thinking through that process at the moment really and kind of testing with different stakeholders and ideas really so um we're at the start of that journey um <laughs> takes a bit of time to think these things through and be really clear in terms of what we want to deliver from it but um it's exciting times hopefully more info coming soon <laughs> ah so as I, uh, I understand it it's um the area of land is close to the main road isn't it? Yeah. So that would that makes real good sense to have that you know have facilities that are just off and is in the mix is that is that possible is it possible that you could have um, a shop and restaurant that could be accessed outside of actually visiting the site? Well, I think there's there's lots of different options really, and that's kind of where we're at to at the moment in terms of we could just keep it as it is. <laughs> yeah. At the moment, it's a property that's tenanted, so um, it means that you know we've got uh, some source of income for obviously a, a purchase that we made. Um, there's a a big slope um, that comes down towards the opposite side of our car park, so in terms of looking at um, the grassland habitat um, as you said it's a good location given its road access and by the edge of Silkwood so we're kind of testing that in the moment to really think think that through um, and we need to do some further work and we are looking at the moment in terms of well, particularly our future generations in terms of what is it that they want from a place like Westenburg because that's key in terms of they're our future staff they're our future visitors or trustees so what is it that they aspire to in terms of the programs that we deliver and given also the change in terms of climate change and you know we've got quite um we've got net zero targets for in effect seven years time you know there's a there's a key area there that we've got to address and look at how do we do development sustainably um both in terms of our visitor numbers but also any built footprint um what does it also mean in terms of a balance between facilities and programs um because as, as we said at the start in terms of the welcome building development and car park a large part of that project was also about program delivery and creating the community program that we now have, as well as various interpretation and things like our little book, book of disappearing trees, which is a trail that um, and now a, a new book that people can buy that explains about our the threats to our trees globally uh, and those that um, live in effect at Western Burton that we conserve and plant. So it's how do we tell that story to those different audiences, the younger generation in particular, but also those that are current visitors? How do we how do we engage them with nature and climate change and and what's special about Western Burt? Yeah, with that, with that was always the challenge, how you, uh, the interpretation, because it's a beautiful place. You want people to enjoy the walk, but you also want them to learn. And you can't, you know, it, having too much interpretation would just completely spoil it. Mm -hmm. So it's a real balance, isn't it? 
Yeah, and it's looking at different ways and, and tools that we have. So we have, over recent years, tried some arts pieces um, that have been engagement projects um, with community groups. Um, we've had a few of those. Um, it's also looking at how you can engage people more in the story. Um, you know, as a, a marketeer, you'll know in terms of different audiences use different um, platforms to engage. So, um yeah, because we have such a broad audience and we want to increase that even more. So it's it's trying to think of what what things suit different audiences and visitors um, and who doesn't visit at the moment and why um, and how do we go about that and what what would interest them. Um, but ultimately, you know, the, the environment is quite high up, obviously, on people's agendas at the moment. So um, and we're quite fortunate in terms of, you know, we have a collection of trees where we've got a tree from Australia the Wallamai pine that not everyone's going to travel to Australia but you can come and see that at Western Burt and experience you know just a snip of that kind of landscape and what it's like over there so that's a that's a really unique position to be in and an important one in terms of you know the future of um, Western Burt really and what it means to um, the nation. Absolutely well Sophie, tell me, how, how did you get into a job like Westenburg? What gave you the skills to be where you are today? Um, so I did a degree in spatial design, which is um, which focused on interiors, landscapes, in effect, the first level of architecture training. Um, and I graduated, went straight into a job um, at a architect's practice in Bath. And I worked in both the urban um, design and master planning team that worked on uh, big housing developments for people like the Prince's Trust or big home builders. Um, But I also partly worked in the um, conservation and heritage team uh, working on obviously in Bath, there's a lot of heritage and listed buildings. um, And one of the projects was uh, a house just at the end of the road, which um, Ken Loach had bought the, the film director uh and so i managed that with uh, another member of staff in terms of creating the specification doing all the drawings of the the door details and the old windows and overseeing the contractor um and ultimately restoring this georgian townhouse back to how it once would have been how interesting um, so kind of my role now is kind of on the other side in terms of being client led um so he is he was in effect uh, the client and I reported into him in terms of where he wanted his plug sockets for his bedside lights right. and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that back, so, but that background in terms of architecture and, in effect, problem solving was has obviously been really useful for me in terms of this current role and understanding um, and relaying a vision to those that might not understand a a detailed floor plan of something um but also just how in terms design and and buildings work so um that's kind of how I got my job (laughs) oh brilliant well I've heard such great things about what you do so they're very lucky to have you um what do you do when you're not working um I don't sit still (laughs) (laughs) I'm not very good at relaxing (laughs) I know that um So I love to I love going to comedy gigs. Um, I love going to music gigs. Um, I love to do arts and craft things in terms of 
dabble occasionally with lino printing or making things i'm i'm terrible at going around shops and thinking well i could just make that (laughs) (laughs) that's good um, (laughs) i love to do things like that and um garden make my own i love to cook um and do things like that so yeah now I'm, I'm quite busy i like to try new things um but yeah um kind of related to work really in terms of getting out into the outdoors as well um i like to go go for walks and things in my local area explore mm-hmm. different places so yeah nice and what what do you love about your job in western but um i love to see change happen um so I love that um for my previous job uh, in architecture we did a lot of projects where you do the drawings and didn't always see the end result and I love to be able to see from start to end so for something like the walkway walking the route with people that would interview me in terms of where it was going without it being there to then actually walking on it now and actually seeing people enjoy it is 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 quite something um that's quite nice to see um and i think really it's it's a fascinating place um uh you know in terms of the trees but also all the other biodiversity that lives at western Burt in terms of there's so many amazing things um we had a bio blitz a few years ago where we had a worm expert came from forest research for for the day and just with a little pot of mustard and a and a and a bottle he managed to coax a worm out of the out of the ground I think no well, way who does that for you know go home and say I've just seen a, a worm in effect sneeze their way out of a hole <laughs> that is the weirdest thing <laughs> I've ever heard thing I've done on a day <laughs> and, and I suppose it's, it's the variety of that you know and um, being able to walk around on your lunch break and see such a, a lovely tree collection and, and you know the seasons change in front of you is great you know it's quite it's quite different to many jobs in business parks um, yeah absolutely well thank you Sophie I think people are going to be so inspired by what you've talked about and for those that haven't been to Western but I'm sure they will go and those that have been they will love it even more so um, thanks for your time today thank you nice to chat today Definitely. See you soon. Bye. Bye. If you're listening to this in December, I just want to say Nadolich Lawin and a Blueith Newith Da. And for anyone that doesn't know, that's Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year in Welsh. So I hope you've had a booming time over the Christmas period and that you get a chance to have some rest and recharge ready for a fantastic 2023. Thank you so much for your support and listening this year means a lot to me if you've enjoyed today's episode please make sure you subscribe to apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever else you listen and whilst you're at it if you found value in what i'm sharing i'd really appreciate a review or just simply tell a friend about the show that would really help me too you know how important TripAdvisor is right well reviews are the same for this podcast If you want to check out what I do and some of the projects I've worked on, you can also find me at kellyballard.co.uk. Thanks for listening and I'll see you in two weeks.